Father, thank you, uh, thank you for this day, this rainy, windy day that you've created, um, that we get to wake up and be your people, that we get to wake up and know that you love us, um, know that these songs that we are singing are not just made-up songs, they're songs about you. And uh, this morning, I, I pray that you would wake us up, you, you would open the eyes and ears of our heart, prepare us to hear from your word, to learn, to be challenged, and to be shaped. So Father, we thank you for this day, and we love you in your name. Amen. Amen. So we are in a series um, called Garden, Houses, and Families. And this is a teaching, actually, that's, that is uh, from a writing that's, that's pretty old, it's ancient, um, that we read in Scripture, almost 2,500 years old, in the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is a prophet of God, he speaks for God, and he is speaking in a time when God's people, Israel, who God had chosen to make himself known to the world, to bless the world, um, have actually been defeated by the Babylon Empire. And they find themselves in Babylon, as exiles. And while they're there, Jeremiah the prophet speaks and he says to plant gardens, to build homes, and to start families, and to live for the good of the city. We're going to be here for a while. These are the things you need to thrive as you're in exile. And so week after week over the last month and a half, we've been looking at this passage and, and knowing that it's written for these people for this time, but there are certainly parallels that we are gleaning as we consider what it is like to be Christ followers in exile. No, we're not in a physical exile, right? But if, if we're really following Jesus, if that is what shapes our lives and, and what we orient around, there are times we will find ourselves as exiles in the culture around us. And as the people of God 2,500 years ago needed to live intentionally in exile, you and I also need to live intentionally spiritually exiled people. Gardens, what is sustaining us? What is feeding and nourishing our souls, our homes? Where have we been placed? Who are the people in our world? Who are our neighbors? Who are our community? And this week, we're going to look at family, the people that we are called to share our life with. So the flow through this series has been to, to kind of present a concept and look at what the Bible has to say about this concept and then to follow it up the next week with, with kind of a practical, how do we step into that? And, and last week, Tim opened up this idea of families and spiritual family and, and, and what scripture invites us into with spiritual family. This week, I want to step a little more practically into what happens when we're part of a spiritual family. What does that actually look like? The scripture has a lot to say about, about who Jesus' people are, right? That we're, we're not just a collection of individuals, but we actually make up something more. First Peter, it says, First uh, Peter writes that we're built into a spiritual home. That we're built into a spiritual home. In, in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and my flock know my voice, my sheep know my voice. That we're, we're called into un, a unity of a flock. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, that we're going to read here in just a moment, the, the writer Paul says that, that we're actually a body. That, that, that we're individuals, but, but we make up something whole. And last week, uh, Tim shared with us in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus' words. He says that those who do my father's will are my mother, my brothers, my sisters. They are the family of God. We are called into God's family. Now, I want to hit a little disclaimer before we dive into this text. Uh, one, 
I do know and recognize that the word family for many of us has a very warm connotation, a very positive connotation, but I also recognize for many of us that that might not be the case, that that might actually represent something difficult or broken. And my invitation for you today is to reimagine what family is, but with Christ at the center. As Christ is the focal point of this kind of family, the family of God. The second disclaimer I want to put out there is as we use this analogy of being in family with one another, that might feel kind of far away for you. That might feel like a, a few steps over, a few steps removed. My invitation for you and what I hope that you hear today is that you are invited. You're invited to be part of the family of God. He is calling you. The door is open. So what's so profound about family? Why, why does, does Scripture offer this analogy for us? And I think it's one of the traits of family, of strong, healthy family. One of the things that they do is share. And that's one of the first things that we learn uh, when we're born into a family is how to share. And if you've ever raised toddlers, you know the difficulty of trying to teach someone how to share. That, that uh, what they have, what we have as a family is not just for one of us, it's for all of us. That, that, that we are called to share and it's a strong element that makes a family a family. Likewise, the spiritual family that you and I are called to, we are called to share. The first thing that we share is our unique contribution. That each and every one of us has a unique contribution that we bring to the family of God. Now certainly we're, we're all different. We're wired different. We think different. We have very different life experiences, very different perspectives, very different giftings, and yet we are called to contribute, to bring what God has placed in us to the family of God. So let's look at this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read uh, 12 through 22, all 10 of these verses, and it, it just gives us this beautiful analogy. Uh, this book, 1 Corinthians, was written to a church in uh, Corinth in Greece that was a major port city, a major uh, Roman trade route, and so what, what that meant for the city is it was uh, a very worldly city. There were a lot of languages spoken, people from different backgrounds, perspectives, a lot of religions represented. It was a very complex city. Can you relate with that at all? You probably can. And in the midst of this complex city of all these people who think different, who have different priorities, different life perspectives, a, a church is beginning to form. A church not centered around any one person's perspective or preference, but a church centered around Jesus, the ways and the words of Jesus. And these people, this letter is an instruction on how to be the church, how to be in family with one another. And this is the analogy that Paul uses. Starting in verse 12, it says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, which just means Jew or non-Jew, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he's wanted, wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. What a beautiful analogy of what it means to be in community with one another. What a beautiful analogy of what it means for you and I to be family, that we're different. You might be a spiritual toe, I don't know. But we form a body. God has called us to bring what is unique about us, our gifting, our perspective, our ability, our skills, and to form something singular, the body of Christ, this family that he has invited us into. And I love that he says, the eye cannot say because I, I don't hear. Uh, that disqualifies me from being part of the body. And, and he says that the, the head cannot say to the feet, well, I don't need you because, in fact, my head is attached to my body and my feet carry me where I need to go. We might be tempted to think, for whatever reason, that our contribution is not needed or is not valued in the family of God. For whatever reason, fill in the blank. You might think that you are too young. You might think that you are too old. You might think that you are disqualified. You might think that you don't have something to contribute. But in fact, the word that Paul uses here is indispensable. In this family of God, you are indispensable. Your contribution cannot be reproduced. You are indispensable. We kind of live in a moment right now where there's just a lot of, of labels. Um, kind of the, the, the hashtag thing, like, oh, I am this kind of person, or I am this kind of thing, or I've fallen with these kind of people. But, but in reality, we are as unique as our fingerprints. Our perspectives, our life experience, the things that God is teaching us through his spirit is as unique as our fingerprints. So what that means is, is we can't replicate you. Your contribution is unique to you, and it matters to the family of God. A, a few books over in Ephesians, it's the same author, Paul writing. He's talking about how God has empowered the church with you and I and how he's called and gifted us. And this is Ephesians 4, 11. And it says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Paul says that, that, that God has placed these gifts in you, inside this family, so that this family can be built up. Shared, unique contribution. It's one of the trademarks of the family of God, that I'm here for you, and you're here for me, and I need your contribution, and you need my contribution. This is what we are called to bring in to contribute. It, 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 it's skill, but beyond that, we are living into what God has created us to be. It's an act of worship. When we step into the family of God and live out who God has created us to be, we are worshiping and contributing to the family of God. Each and every one of you are indispensable to the family of God.
My prayer is, is, is we are having this conversation this morning, as we're reading these words that Paul has written, that this would sink deep into your heart. That this question, what is my contribution? And to elevate it beyond just simple, what is my task? What am I created to do? What has God written inside of my code, my DNA, that is my act of worship and contribution to his kingdom? This, uh, this past year, I was part of uh, an event um, called Focus Living. And in fact, I, I think a lot of you guys, any raise of hands? Yeah. Um, called Focus Living, and, and, and the intent of Focus Living is to help discover and unearth what is my unique contribution? What has is, what is God placed within me to bring to his kingdom and to bring to the family of God? And, and it's a, a two or three day process. Um, it's something that we do a few times a year here at Mosaic. Uh, in fact, I think we're going to be doing it again in January, and so I'm making a shameless pitch for it now. Uh, but, but as I went through it this past year, um, it, it's a process of looking at my past, looking at um, the, the big moments, the hard moments, moments um, where, where there was tests, moments of faith, moments where God had just brought in divine relationships, and, and, and looking at the culmination of these things and answering a series of questions and, and eventually getting to, oh, I, I can see how God has used me over and over in this way in the past, and, and I can see how it resonates with my wiring. And, and, and for me, this, this all culminated in this simple directive, that, that my contribution, that the thing that I want to bring to f this family, to the kingdom of God, is to be a, a, uh, a part of a movement, to, to be, whether that's pastoring or planting or whatever, to be part of a movement that brings the church of Jesus to follow or to the upcoming generations, to be used in that way. This is, this is a, a unique contribution that was unearthed through this process. And my question for us is, is do you know what God has placed in you to bring to the family of God? Because only you can bring it. It's a trademark of the family of God. We have shared contribution. We have shared life with one another. Here's the thing about a family. You can't attend a family. Yeah, right? You can't just easily opt in and opt out a family. You, you belong. Sometimes whether you want to or not, you belong in a family. My, I'm the, um, the youngest of five, um, and we, the five of us, could not be more different. Uh, we, we, we look different. Um, my brother and I, we have different dads. His dad is from Mexico. We look nothing alike. Um, my, my, my older brother, God love him, speaks three languages, has excelled in the military like crazy, has done all these secret missions, got to go to the White House, stuff that he's like, I can't talk about that. And, and I call him Goldie, which is short for golden boy, because it was just so fun growing up in his shadow. <laughs> but the thing about my brother and I is for all the differences that we have, the different life that we've lived, we will never not be family. There's a sense of belonging with family that we are called into. And, and, and that might feel a little bit weighty. It, it certainly feels a little bit weighty in our individualistic uh, kind of society where, where we, we really see ourselves apart from things. But, but we are actually called to be connected with one another at the same level as a family is connected. That, that we don't just opt in and opt out of relationships. It's not something that we just simply attend or, or seasonally engage with. That we're actually called to share life with one another to be known, to engage to the point that, that if I'm not around for a while, people actually notice, to be engaged 
to the point that, that if I'm struggling, people know it, they sense it, and they feel the freedom to engage me about it. Um, a handful of, of years ago, I was on a business trip in Panama. We were in Panama City, Panama. And the guy I was traveling with, um, he was my boss, and uh, we, we had gone down there and had some free days. And he's one of those like adrenaline junkie people. Like if, if you're not almost dying, it's not very fun to him. And so he said um, when we had our free days, hey, let's go scuba diving. And um, you might not know a lot about scuba diving, uh, but step one of scuba diving is not going scuba diving. Step one of scuba diving is a lot of classes where you learn about pressurization and the mask. You learn about how to uh, descend into the water and how to come back up and do it safely. You then kind of start into a swimming pool and try it out for a little bit. And then after a lot of training, you get certified. Then you go into open waters. In Panama, you skip all that. You just go to open water. And so we're getting ready to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of up for adventure. I, you know, I kind of think that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty up. I'm freaking out. Like, this is more adventure than I had bargained for. We go to the scuba shop. Uh, we pay them. We tell them we've never done this. They're like, you have money? No problem. Let's do this. And they take us out on a boat. And the person driving the boat, like a raft, was also the person who was going to take us water and is giving us our scuba instruction on the way out in half Spanish and half English. And I'm just like, Jesus, I'm coming. <laughs> Get ready. It's, it's happening today. I have a feeling that this is not going to go well. And, and so we start going out, and, and um, she's going to take us to 100 feet below uh, water, 100 feet deep. And that doesn't sound very deep, but that's actually pretty deep for scuba diving. A lot of pressure, not a great environment for humans. And um, so what they do is they, they pair us off in a buddy system. And we have this young guy who's traveling with us. He's our translator who he was probably 17, 18. And he's just like, you know, he's freaking out too. And I got buddied with him. And our instructor says, it's simple. Every 30 seconds, every minute, make eye contact with each other and just do this. This means, yeah, I'm good. I'm not drowning. Let's do this. Or this. I'm a little bit nervous, something is not good, or this, we gotta get back up to the surface. And so we, we began to go down, and I just kept looking, and he kept looking, and it was this process of, of, of checking in, of knowing, and being known, and knowing that I'm in this environment that it's not really for humans. It's hard and difficult and dangerous, but I'm, I'm not alone. I'm known, and, I, and I'm here to know someone. This is a picture of family. Man, are, are you known here? Do people know you, know your story? Do they miss you when you're gone? Do they know when you're struggling? Is there, is there someone here who's looking at you and saying, hey, how, how are you doing? Man, what's going on in your world? Do, do you have that sense of belonging into family? Because we need one another. Listen to these words in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we pro profess, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. To spur on one another, to not neglect the investment of time with one another, but to encourage, to challenge one another, to be known. Now, I, I recognize that being part of a family can be difficult. That, 
Everyone has that crazy uncle. I have a crazy uncle. I have two crazy uncles. And it's getting to be about that time, the holidays. We're going to be around Thanksgiving tables. Uh, we're going to be around Christmas dinners. And I've got one uncle who is just completely off the rails in politics right now. And we're going to probably get together at some point in the future. And it's going to be one of those things like, no one say it. No one bring it up. And then I'll have that one aunt who's like, well, who did everyone vote for? It's like, no. <laughs> you know, I have that uncle in my family. But he's still part of the family. He challenges, it can be prickly, it can be difficult, but he's still part of the family. There can be a temptation to curate our relationships in such a way that we do not have people who challenge us in a way that we don't like. It can be tempting to curate relationships, to curate a family of people who think like me, who look like me, who act like me, and who don't challenge me. But it actually creates a pretty shallow community a pretty shallow existence. I read this thing um, not too long ago about the biodome experience um, in, in southern Arizona. Maybe you heard about it. It's a big glass dome. It was in a Pauly Shore movie. And it, uh, it was like, kind of came out of the 80s and the 90s, and it was going to be this experimental environment that could be reproduced on the moon or somewhere in Mars and habitate uh, for uh, humans to live in these areas. And so they began the biodome, and um, the biodome um, environment is absolutely perfect. The weather is controlled, the amount of water is controlled, everything in there is just ideal for growing life. And so they begin and they're, they're planting crops and they're doing these different things and they begin to grow trees and, and this really strange thing happened. These trees would begin to grow and they would, get, they would get taller and taller and taller and then they would just fall over. And it was like unexplicable. They were like, well, is, it, is the soil too acidic? Is there, you know, is there too much water, too little water, too much sunshine? What can we do with this? And they kept trying all these different things and the trees would grow and topple over, grow and fall over. And finally they brought in this, this older farmer who uh, had orchards and of, of trees and he came in and, and he said, well, your problem is you've created a perfect environment. That's not actually how trees grow. When trees are saplings, as they're beginning to grow, they need the wind. They need storms, they need adversity, because as the wind pushes them, it makes the roots go deeper. They need hot, dry summers that makes the taproot go deep into the earth to find water, to make it a resilient tree. When we curate community that looks like us and doesn't challenge us, we actually lose out. Our community is stronger our family is stronger when we have a sense of belonging, even with people who are different than us and who challenge us. The simple question for you, who knows you? Now, who really, really knows you in the family of God? Knows when you're not around, knows when you're struggling, knows when you're celebrating and celebrates with you. To develop this kind of being known, this kind of relationship, it takes, it takes these two things. It takes time and it takes vulnerability. It takes time that, that I actually have to engage with people and be with people and, and, and make time for them. And it, it takes vulnerability. We can't just talk about the weather and football. At some point, we, we gotta share our lives. We gotta open up. We gotta say, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. Or, man, can you pray with me about this? Or, or I'm really hopeful about this. Who, who are we sharing our life with? Because being part of the family of God means that we create space to share life with one another. 
We share our unique contribution, we share life, and we share spiritual growth. Discipleship. That, that I'm challenging you to grow, you're challenging me to grow. Proverbs 27, and maybe it's a, a passage that you've heard, in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The being part of the family of God means we're being shaped and discipled by one another. If you, you grew up in a family, you, you know that you're shaped by that family. And I, I catch myself all the time. These words just escape my mouth. And I'm like, that sounds just like my mom. I can't believe I just said that. And I, I see it in my kids. They do things for better or for worse that they've learned from me. They're, they're mimic, mimicking me. And, and, and being part of a family means that we're shaped by that family. In the family of God, we are called to disciple, to spiritually shape one another. Discipling, at its core, discipleship is, is not a program. Um, it's not curriculum. It's not information. It's not a book. It's all of those things with relationship. Discipleship happens in the context of relationship. And assuming that it does not is like saying to a child, hey, here's a book about becoming an adult. There you go. Good luck. That, that doesn't work, right? It, it, it's not about just the content. It's about the content and the context of relationship. That we're called to be in the kind of relationship where iron can sharpen iron, where we can challenge one another to grow in the ways of Jesus to walk like Jesus did. And we, we, we read this in the first four books of the New Testament. Jesus called people not to content, not just to information. He said what? Follow me. Learn from me. See how I do it. See how I live. See how I pray. See how I engage the needy. See how I do the... All of this is, is invi invitation into relationship. Who are we shaping in the family of God? Who have we invited along and said, I, I'm going to teach you. I don't know everything, but I'm going to teach you what I know about following the ways of Jesus. And on the other side, who is shaping us? Who can I point out right now in the family of God that I can say, this, this, this person has given me access to their lives, and they are shaping me on what it means to follow Jesus, to follow the ways of Jesus. I, I love a good podcast. I love books. I love the information. It is helpful, but it does not replace my need for relationship of people who can disciple me, who have gone before, who have wisdom to shed, wisdom to give. Who am I shaping? Who am I inviting into the family of God? And who is shaping me? Part of the family of God is shared spiritual growth. So this family is before us. This family, as we learned last week, centered around Jesus, not gated off with rules, but centered around Jesus. This is what we are invited into. So the question before us is what, what prevents us? If we find ourselves on the outside of that family, or, or maybe as we think about all these questions that are being posed, not really having a lot of answers for, what, 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 what prevents us? Past disappointments, frustration, times we've been hurt. The, 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 the thing about the family of God is it's, it's full of people, and, and at times people can be disappointing and frustrating. I know I can be. 
What prevents us from stepping more fully into the family of God? I, um, I came across this article this last week, um, and I had just typed, I went to the Google and said, why is it so hard for adults to make friends? It was very insightful. I was, I was reflecting on it, like, I remember being a kid, how easy deep relationships were to establish. When um, there was this new family that moved to our, our hometown, and I was probably eight or nine at the time, and their, um, their work got transferred uh, to be in our hometown, and the mom happened to see me playing out in the yard, and so she got her son, because he looked like he was about my age, and she said, let's go over. They knock on the door. I come to the door, and this little guy named Matt Dalkey said, hi, I'm Matt Dalkey. Will you be my friend? okay. And we got to talking and he was like, I love Ninja Turtles. And I was like, I love Ninja Turtles. And poof, it was it. It was one of my best friends growing up. We oh, I had so many stories. It was, it was just that easy. Yet it's a little bit harder as we get older. We get a little more set in our ways. We get a little more unflexible in our expectations of people around us. And so I, I, I Googled this. I was like, why is it so hard for adults to make meaningful, deep, new relationships. And, and I came across this article um, that, that they had done some research and had come up with some conclusions. And there were five of them, but I thought two of them were, were actually pretty helpful for us to think about when we think about what, what hinders us from going further into relationship in the family of God and sharing our life further. One of them was they reflected that for many people, they had made a commodity out of relationship. A commodity, something that can be bought or sold or traded, that they had made a commodity out of, out of relationship. And the primary means that they have done this is that most of their social engagement happened almost exclusively through an electronic device. And, and, uh, and, and I get it. Social media is, it can be a very good thing. It, I can send pictures to my grandma who lives two time zones away. Like there, there's some access there that is very good. But what this article reflected on is that for many people, they have displaced all or most of their actual in-person relationships strictly with digital ones. And the thing about engaging socially digitally is it's, it's, it's a bit of a commodity. I can completely curate it. I can unfollow anyone. I can, uh, I can take in, I can have uh, story after story that I'm reading about other people's lives while reciprocating nothing. It, it doesn't require anything of me. I can be on, uh, on my device for hours and hours and not actually share anything about my own life. I can completely determine how much I want. I can turn it on, I can turn it off. And, and, and what this article discovered that, that, that people who have done this for a long period of time have actually built a form of isolation for themselves that makes the idea of engaging with real people in real life feel very difficult. That, that, that those muscles of socializing with other people and, and, and engaging with friends where I can't just zone out and stare, I actually have to communicate and talk and share my life, that those muscles begin to atrophy and it contributes towards pretty big loneliness and in articles eventually even depression. So the, the commodity of relationship. The second thing that I thought was interesting is a heightened value on individualism and a diminishing value on personal community. This idea that, that my highest ascent is the individual. 
how I, my, you know, the, the persona that I curate, the, 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 the way that I want to be seen, the way that I want to be known, the way I want to be looked at, that I am so focused on that, that the idea of being a part of something where my individualism is diminished for the sake of being a part of something bigger is, is something that's repelling. And they said that in our society, this is a growing concern, that people don't want to be a part of something if it diminishes them. Because when you're on a team, it's for other people. When you're in a family, it's not just all about you. You're here to contribute for the sake of others. You're here to share your life, not just so everyone can know you, but so that you can know them. You're here not just for your growth, but for the growth of others. This is what it means to be the family of God. Be called out of loneliness into real relationship centered around Jesus. And the, 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 cost, the cost of risking into those relationships can be high. It, it can be easier just to go the lonely route in the beginning, to not engage, to not make time, to not sacrifice. But, but in the long run, the cost of loneliness is much, much higher than the cost of risking relationship and stepping further into the family of God. I'm going to call our team back up. We're, we're going to... Um, sing some more. We're going to take communion. Um, but, but as we are doing those things, I'm going to leave you with a real simple challenge in the form of, of a question. Am I engaged in the family of God? Am I known? Am I bringing what I have, my contribution? Am I living for the discipleship and the growth of others? And if not, what's What's holding me back? Is it risk? Is it the sacrifice of time? Is it the sacrifice of, of being known? What's holding me back? Week after week um, in this series that we're, we're, we're walking through gardens, homes, and, and family and the future of our, our church family, um, we've been looking at our, our vision statement, this vision that, that God gave this church family um, a couple years ago. And I want to read this today um, as we are, are getting ready to, to conclude in worship. And it says this. In a city known for self-reliance, loneliness, and cynicism, we are compelled by the love of Jesus to live distinctly different lives. We will contribute to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples formed by God's word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and sent by Jesus. By 2025, we will equip and commission people who will break barriers, love neighbors, and uniquely contribute to more of God's kingdom coming to Portland, Vancouver, Metro area and beyond. We dream of a day when every cynic trusts the Savior, the lonely find a family, and every activist joins God's mission. This will never be accomplished by a group of individuals. This requires family. This requires you and I sharing life, sharing what God has given us, challenging one another, growing in the ways of Jesus together to be the family of God. Let me pray for us. We'll worship. Father, I pray that these words we're reading in Scripture, this, this vision that you've given us, to be your family, um, that your Holy Spirit would, would challenge us, 
would illuminate places that we are resistant to that, uh, would illuminate places where, where we are yet to, um, to surrender to you. Pray that you would give us confidence and boldness, uh, not, not in ourselves and not even just in others, but, but in what you can do and what you're building and, and recognizing that, that this family isn't carried along by our abilities, but it's carried along because we're centered around you. And Jesus, we, we worship you, and we thank you for your truth. In your name, amen. Let's worship.